Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Kunal Karai. Kunal looks after talent for the Asia Pacific for Visa. Welcome to the podcast, Kunal. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to chatting with you and hearing some of your story. First of all, in your role, tell us a little bit about what exactly uh, you do, you know, the day to day, but also maybe a little bit about Visa and its footprint in the Asia Pacific. Sure, sure. Happy to do that. Uh, so from pretty much nine to five, uh, I'm responsible for creating and implementing a well-being strategy for about 6,000 or so employees here in Asia Pacific. And for Visa, that's about 20 or so markets. And so for us, we look at well-being holistically. It's not just about physical health, but it's also advocating for mental health, uh, inclusion, belonging, helping employees with transitions, and even helping them find meaning and purpose in their work. I also, on top of that responsibility, help lead uh, some of our efforts in our talent management function. Um, so think about various leadership development initiatives, think about career development. That's in my portfolio of work. And uh, I know there's more, it's crazy, but I also uh, serve as a people business partner. So essentially I'm a consultant to my business on really any people related questions um, from nine to five. And uh, actually outside uh, of Visa, I'm, I'm also passionate about being an executive coach to some Michelin star chefs and some minority small, minority owned small businesses. Um, but wow. Visa as a company, it's, yeah, yeah. So Visa as a company, you know, it's about, we operate in 190 or so countries around the world and just in Asia Pacific, right? We're, we're 20 strong. And one of the wonderful things about working at this company is we have such a global reach and we, um, get to really experience working with people from different backgrounds and experiences. And I think um, as a leader and even just as an employee of this company for about five or so years now, um, it's something that I, I look forward to every day, being able to come into work and learn from people um, and know that I'm going to be learning on an everyday basis. Yeah, amazing. Well, uh, that's that's a, a great snapshot. You do a lot, as you said, you know, another thing. Um, but I had the thing that really caught my attention, my wife, Liz and I, uh, passionate foodies. Um, we like our, <laughs> our, anywhere we go, everything we do is uh, food focused, right? Like any holiday, it's really built around food. So yeah. that's one thing that caught my attention. I'm just like, wow, genius. I need to think that's like such like of anyone to actually be able to work with and then build a relationship with uh, Michelin, <laughs> Michelin star uh, chefs, man, that's, that's, uh, that's a, not only a, uh, must be a great people to work with, but that's a smart move. They are a fun bunch of people and, uh, they many times have a two kilogram policy, meaning if you don't gain at least two kilograms leaving their kitchen, then they've failed. So you always got food on the table, you know, and you're always <laughs> having to watch your weight. 
Oh man, so good. Yeah, that's that's hilarious how much I heard that and I was like, wow, Canala's a genius. That's like man, uh I actually already do work <laughs> with some great um business owners in the food space. Um and uh and yeah, I think it's oh, I'm, I'm super passionate about that as well. But um yeah, I just picked that picked up on that and was like, wow, that's clever. Okay, let's jump into your story. Um yeah. I'd love to ask you initially, like let's start with your childhood growing up for you, Canal, what what were some of the moments in that season of your life that really shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Really appreciate it. So I I think I'm really, really lucky uh, to have been raised in a very multicultural family. So my mom is third generation Kenyan, my dad is Indian. Um, and then uh, I was actually born and raised in the US, but for about a good 10 or so years of my my childhood, I was actually uh, living right by the the Mexico-U.S. border. So it was a primarily Latino community. And so being able to get just exposed to so many different viewpoints and to really build that respect for culture, I think has, has really translated into how I think and how I approach uh, my work, whether it's in well-being and, or whether it's working with these different chefs or these business owners. So that's been a really, really great part of, of my childhood that shaped me. Um, and on the other other hand, you know, I'm, I'm quite open about this, that I kind of grew up in a very turbulent um, household uh, that was also low, low income, right? So nothing was really ever guaranteed and it wasn't so easy at times. And there was not many people that I could really lean on for support. And additionally, right, I, I have a genetic disease. So it's, uh, it's one that does not have a cure, but it, you know, creates tumors uh, in different vital organs. So like Imagine the brain, the eyes, the heart, the kidneys, and most of the time, you know, they're benign, but I've, I've unfortunately had to go through two malignant tumors already. And w- the bottom line of this really is that a lot of people don't have the same opportunities that I do who have this disease. And, and because of these things, it's really shaped um, what I'm proud of the most about myself and my leadership, which is constantly being an advocate for others, being empathetic, being decisive, because... I have a very real time limit, right? And I feel it every day. I need to act. I need to advocate if I want to make an impact and leave the world better than when I came into it, right? And no one is really in control of that except for me. So those are some of the things, you know, that I grew up with, but really, really shaped me. And if you ask me the question, would I change that? Absolutely not. Um, That's the reason why I've gone to where I am. Yeah, well, thank thank you so much for sharing about... um... Yeah, sharing sharing everything you just mentioned there. I'm interested in your mindset because that's, you know, I'm just always really astounded when I chat with someone like you, and I think that's like that's not an that's not a an average or normal response to what you're dealing with. That's very different in the best kind of way. What do you attribute that to? How how are you able to look at the challenge around the the genetic um, disease and actually be able to go? instead of getting, uh, you know, letting it sort of point you in one direction, it's actually something that really brings some urgency to, to doing meaningful work. How, how have you been able to do that? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so I also have a psychology background because I'm just so fascinated by, you know, the, um, human behavior and something that I remember so clearly from one of my professors that uh, studied uh, PTSD, right, post-traumatic stress disorder, she had often told us that when somebody is facing a stressor in life, you know, it doesn't have to be as crazy as a genetic disease. 
it can simply be like moving houses or uh, maybe you've moved into a brand new role or you're opening a new business. The brain essentially has two decisions to make, right? That's either going into a mode of post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic growth. And when it comes to this aspect of post-traumatic stress, right, the brain is essentially trying to prepare you for any situations that are going to look and feel the same, right? So that you're easily sensitive and, and triggered by those um, in the future. Uh, but of course, that doesn't really leave a lot of room for growth and development. On the other hand, it's um, about growth, right? And, and really thinking and being thoughtful um, and intentional about how you take an opportunity, really delving deeper into yourself. What does it mean? What is the significance there? And, and for me, right, like I quickly realized that this genetic disease, um, especially when I was, was handling these particularly malignant tumors in 2017 and 2019, I realized like these are things out of my control. But at the end of the day, right, what is in your control are just the people that are around you and the experts, right? Like, I don't know as much as the people who have studied this day in and day out. And I have to constantly give up my, my control and I have to put trust into friends and families around me. I have to put trust into the doctors that take care of me and I have to put trust, uh, you know, into people that I work with and myself that they will help me, you know, through this. And I think that's what's really helped to inform that mindset and that thought process. Yeah, wow. That's, uh, that's, that's so interesting. I think it's an incredible achievement to be able to uh, live with that perspective. What about your upbringing? Like you said, a turbulent household and, and lower socioeconomic, um, you know, upbringing how has that shaped your outlook on life and as a leader you know where i'm sure you're you're engaging yeah. in different places and and uh, and activities that um where you have some opportunities to be doing some incredible things and being around you know really high sort of like uh you know wealth areas as part of as part of your work now with like I, i'm always yeah. interested to know how has that how has your upbringing shaped how you see that now? Do you think that's affected your sort of lens on the world? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for that, Jono. So, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I think it has shaped the way that I think about things and I approach things. Um, you know, with with growing up in a lower socioeconomic class and and things uh, such as having, you know, a stable family to rely on, um, meeting very basic needs, you know, such as like food and housing. When you don't have these things, right, and you're constrained, you often have to think creatively and innovatively um, about things. Um, one of my mentors has always told me, right, that the best innovations and the best creativity comes from moments when we have to deal with limitations and constraints. And I think a recent example that many of us can relate to is, is the pandemic, for example. Um, technology got all of a sudden so much more creative um, and a lot of companies faced a lot of just technological advancement as a result of this particular constraint of having to work from home. And so I've had that um, as a result of sort of being in this, consider like an invisible minority. Um, and because you're invisible, I mean, people are not necessarily, you know, and it's not to any bad intentions here, but you're not um, maybe being thought about or considered in a lot of initiatives or projects or um, policies, right? And so you have to often advocate for yourself and the others 
Otherwise, you know, no one will ever acknowledge you or, or the needs that you have. And so why has that helped me as a leader? Uh, in one way, it's allowed me to be self-sufficient. And another way, it's allowed me to be a very strong advocate. I think when you think about just some of the most prominent leaders um, alive today and even in the past, right? These are people who are fiercely advocating for a cause and for their people. And people are not coming and being forced to do what they're asking them to do, right? There is their hearts being set on fire, right? By this passion that this leader has. Um, they're tapping into something deeper and uh, advocating fiercely for, for, that, for that group, making noise when no one else is, taking the courage um, to, to really put that out there in the world. And, and some of the work that I've done in the past, right? Like working with small business owners, they're very, they're pretty much the minority when it comes to um, the, the amount of revenue that they produce, right? But there's such a integral uh, spine uh, to our global economy. You look at um, women, right? Like they're paid less uh, in, many, in many workplaces. You look at people with disabilities, people who identify as LGBTQ plus, uh, people who identify as immigrants within their own respective countries, right? These are people who don't have the opportunity. They don't have the power. And so a good leader um, and, and someone like myself uh, wants to kind of come in and be that voice, use our power and position to sort of provide and create a brighter uh, future for, for them. I was really lucky to have people around me, right? And I, I'm, I'm emphasizing the luck a lot here um, because where I'm born and what I'm born to, right, is something I can't control. Um, but what I can absolutely do is use the power that I'm given um, through whatever identities that I'm holding at the time and, and use that to push forward the causes of people who may not be in the same sort of uh, boat as me when it comes to that. So that's what's really helped shape how I think about things. And I think there's a lot of really great intention people um, out there who are looking to help. They just don't know how to. And, you know, being that bridge and conduit between a lot of these communities that are, are um, just at a disadvantage or um, underrepresented and, and those who actually have the power is something that I find valuable and rewarding in, in my day-to-day -day work. Yeah, absolutely. Well said, Kunal. I, I, I uh, really, that really resonates with me as well with how you've unpacked, like what, what it is you are so passionate about and, and enjoy about your work. Yeah. Um, so in terms of your leadership journey, when were your, like, when you think back, what was one of your first real sort of significant leadership opportunities? Do you remember where you went, you look back and you go, wow, I was really sort of in the deep end, or that was my first time really managing a bunch yeah, of yeah. people or what comes to mind? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, something that's really stuck with me, Jono, is that leadership is not a position. It's an action, right? And it's not really about serving ourselves and our own self-interest, but it's about serving others. And because of this, I personally think that everyone is a leader and every action that we're taking, right, is almost like an audition to be a leader. And so, I mean, I think uh, most people really do experience that, you know, when they're in their childhood. Um, but when I think a bit about maybe one of the times that have made the earliest impacts in, in my life that I'm really proud of, was actually working with um, uh, sexual assault and domestic abuse survivors uh, at a particularly large and prominent university. And because of my own experiences, I, I had that passion and, and 
I was just a fierce advocate as a result of that. And, you know, um, because of that, I was able to like lobby sen different senators in the, in the government, senior leaders, um, the actual school body of, of students. And, you know, they turned that eventually into, uh, into law and they built out mandatory training for all employees and students, which I got to help design. So I'm, I'm really blessed for that opportunity. And they even streamlined and enhanced processes, you know, to report such incidents and actually share the data with the right people so that can continue to monitor that. Um, but what it really came down to was again, that action. Um, and, and I think a lot of us have great ideas, but it's ultimately putting those things down into, um, action when we can, that I think, uh, is about, is what leadership is about. And I think I was quite proud of that particular, uh, instance earlier in my career. Yeah. <laughs> what about mentors for you, Canal? Who have been some of the biggest influences yeah. as a leader really helped, you know, shape you and, and grow as a leader? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a, a lot of different people, I would say, who have helped to shape me. I think you can always learn from anybody, regardless of what stage they are in their life, uh, how senior um, or junior they are to you. But a couple of people who've, who've really inspired me, and John, I think one of them might be really interesting to you, um, is... Uh, like Grant Acats, right? So he's actually the head of the Alinea group. So they own a three-star Michelin and a one-star Michelin restaurant. And uh, he was the head chef there for a very, very long time. And at some point he actually lost his ability to taste, um, which is kind of unfortunate as a chef. And he developed stage four tongue cancer. Um, so it was wow. a pretty grave prognosis. And uh, I know it's crazy, but he somehow made a recovery with experimental treatment. So this guy has been just an amazing inspiration to me because what I really love about him is how he just challenges the status quo um, for things we take granted. So if you go to Alinea, for example, the whole concept of dining is turned on its head. Um, he talks about how could the table be a plate, right? Could we make a lemon look like a tomato? Um, or could we make, you know, a dish float, something that defies physics? So they have um, uh, one of the dishes that's a balloon that you actually eat. Uh, and, and so what that has really taught me is just how you can change perspectives, change things that we take for granted. And, and his story on top of that was, you know, really amazing. Um, and I think another really, really fascinating person is uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. So I think at the time, right, in 2014, 2015, I mean, Microsoft was quite stagnant. And I think some people would say it was kind of failing. Um, but he came into the company and he really just brought fresh life into it. And what was sort of the reason for that? I think it came down to his empathy and his authenticity. Uh, he has a, a child, right, who, who has special needs. And, and I think it's really shown how he can take that in his personal life and really, really, again, bring that growth to others. And he completely changed the culture. And he, he established Microsoft as a leader in the inclusive design space, so accessibility in their technology, right? And, and we see that all in the market cap and the stock price today. And um, I guess the third leader, right, that I really, really found um, just so inspiring is Malala Yousafzai, who is an education activist, right? So when she was uh, a young a young woman, um, she had acid thrown in her face by the Taliban for pursuing education. And um, I really learned from her that anyone can be a leader, right, no matter what your age is. And it really wasn't what she said that made her a leader, but it was what she did. And what she, which was to speak out um, about what had happened to her. 
um, against all the things that could potentially come as consequences and her passion for education. And that just rallied people, right? Um, but those three are, are just some leaders that I kind of look up to and I'm constantly uh, inspired by, but there's so many, so many people and so many things out there that <laughs> I could say uh, that inspire me for sure. Yeah, no, they're, they're wonderful uh, examples. And I, I liked uh, what you mentioned about, um, yeah, just, just some of the stories you mentioned there that, that you found really inspiring. Uh, I, I agree. I found them really inspiring too. Um, what, what about personal aha moments as a leader? Can you think recently or uh, just any time in your career so far where you've just gone, oh my goodness, I'm never going to forget that lesson because something, you know, you trusted yeah. your dad or took someone's <laughs> advice and it went well, or, um, you know, something monumentally fell apart and uh, like like I've done before and you go, well, I will yeah. never, ever forget that lesson. Uh, what comes to mind? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'll I'll preface it with I'm making mistakes all the time and I'm learning. I, I've just been taught to remember that failure is not fatal, um, for sure. But um, one kind of project that I remember that I had worked on was uh, we were rolling out just a, a brand new initiative. And this spanned like multiple regions. So Asia Pacific, Europe, North America, and multiple countries as well. And my essential job is to be the project manager to lead the efforts with this. But what I quickly realized that I had a very Western way of approaching the situation in front of me. I kind of brought my, my own lens of the US into this. And I'll tell you why it's kind of important. Um, because what had happened at some point was that there was a really big emergency. Something was about to blow up and escalate in one of my specific markets. And I realized being this global project manager that I had no idea how it worked, but I still tried to solve it on my own. And uh, that was a mistake, of course, uh, because it, it we could have avoided all of that. But it definitely had taught me that I need to be comfortable with saying I don't know. And I've I've really observed uh, in my in my current firm that a lot of the strong yeah. leaders know when they don't know, and they'll say <laughs> it, or they know how to say no to these things. And and it really taught me to be comfortable with that. And it shifted my mindset really on leadership. That was my aha moment. That good <laughs> leaders know when to lead. And they know when to follow, especially when there's people who are more knowledgeable than them. And that's pretty much stuck with me since, Jono. Yeah, that's such a great story because uh, I, I remember in a previous episode chatting with someone about this tension as a leader to walk in humility and vulnerability. And at the same time, yeah. particularly when, say, leading through a crisis like COVID, to um, to have confidence and, and courage and strength as a leader. and how we often think Absolutely. it's one or the other. Um, but I, I think that I think being able to say, I actually don't know, and I'm going to need help with, with this um, is such a great, yeah, it's such a great example of that mix where it, it actually, it's actually a courageous thing to say. And I agree, like great leaders that I, who I really have loved watching lead and, and sat in, on executive team meetings with them is they have this ability to go, you know what, I actually, can you go back? I, I, I didn't catch that. And I, I don't really understand this, this thing over here and that willingness to look silly almost. And, um, because, but, but at the same time they, they have this confidence, um, you know, like to push through and to, and to lead, like you said, um, 
But I think that that tension and that balance is challenging, particularly as a young leader. I found that challenging. Mm-hmm. You think to be strong and confident, you have to know everything or seem like you know everything. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think that's something that we all face, right? Like constantly being exper- experiencing this idea of imposter syndrome. Like mm-hmm. we're told to fake it until we make it. But I think honestly, confidence and that strength comes from just practice, right? It, leadership is a muscle. And the more we exercise it, the better we get at it. And, and I think it's just remembering that it's okay to feel a specific way and it's okay to feel maybe unprepared or, or inadequate. Um, but it's just about remembering that we take that fear, we face it, and, and we sort of learn and move forward from whatever comes of it, right? Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and so much of it, you know, that, that's another thing that's come up a lot actually is so much of leadership is just being willing and courageous enough to give things a go. And um, something I've found is that often we imagine, oh, you know, it's going to be so nice when I get a real leadership opportunity where I get, you know, uh, I get this really easy opportunity to step up into this wonderful team. And um, sorry, (laughs) I've got my uh, phone off silent. And uh, step up into (laughs) this (laughs) podcast 101. Yeah, I step up into this awesome team, right? And I'm just going to have this amazing job and with a great leader. And you talk to most leaders and a lot of opportunities, if you really want to grow as a leader, the opportunities don't usually come dressed like that. Usually the opportunities come with, you know what, this team over here in the same organization is really struggling. (laughs) There's a lot going wrong. Three people have been in there and you know, it's, it's really hard. Hey, how about you? Do you want to go? And it tends to be yeah, like the greatest opportunities where you learn the most, I find anyway, is often those um, really scary and difficult opportunities as, as young, particularly for young leaders. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it reminds me of this really, really interesting saying, right? That every captain can sail in calm waters, right? Um, and I, I totally take that into leadership as well. And I, I hear it in sort of the experiences that you've had yourself, that it's really those turbulent waters when I think leadership really comes out and, and when you see people shine. Yeah, that's such a good quote. Uh, it's so true. Hey, it's like, that's where, um, and you know, no one really wants to sail into a storm. <laughs> like surely you'd be like, well, let's try to find better <laughs> okay. weather because it's safer. Um, but it definitely is in the storm where you learn the most and, um, and it's formative, I think, I think as well. So anyone who wants to grow in their leadership, it's a perspective change as well to go, okay, what are the, what are the, um, what are some things that might look, they might be dressed up to look like a stay away, but actually it's, it's a great opportunity for me to, to jump in and grow a lot and, have great support yeah. networks around me, but step into something that is out of my depth and where I do get a chance to deal with things that in my previous context, I wouldn't have had the chance to do and, and experience, um, you know, yeah, just, just ex- experience that and see, and see how I can grow and see what I can become and, and do out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm actually even curious too, John. I mean, like, have you had a recent formative experience that's informed your your leadership? Yeah, that's a, that is a really interesting question. Um, it's is let me put it in context with um, 
the funniest thing for me about leadership consulting, which is which is what I I do, is that you go from a leadership role where you're working, where usually where you're leading, you know, people, and then you're like, okay, I really think what I what I feel really you know called to do, and and what is I can make a big difference is if I get alongside other leaders. So you go to do that, but then when you mm-hmm. like someone like me, where I run my own um, consultancy, Clarity, I. I then go from the, you know, managing managing people and a lot of the problems that, that my clients face, suddenly I become an entrepreneur hmm. and business owner. And I actually, I am actually now <laughs> consulting on uh, people management problems, but living in entrepreneur, like business owner land. And so okay. just that, that to say for me, probably the biggest, the biggest aha moments for me, um, which I think that I think there is overlap, and I know that we have a lot of listeners who who are small business owners or entrepreneurs. Um, mm. The biggest aha moment for me is recently has been about um, having long term long term vision for for what you're what you're doing now. I think as an entrepreneur and and small business owner, it's less uh, i think it can be harder to keep that big vision connected to my mm. day-to-day activities you'd think it'd be easier right because it's it's uh, you know less people involved yeah. when you're leading a larger organization you sort of have structures involved and and you know and that's often what i go in and help other people with um one of the quotes i loved i, I think it's peter teal uh, who i think he says it in in one of the books i, I could be attributing it incorrectly but is a question to say, okay, what do you want to achieve in 10 years? And how could you get there in six months? And hmm. I think the the answer isn't to come up with ridiculous, impossible things you're going to do. The The answer is in the fact that you change your perspective. And and so that, that question has probably been a big one for me because in my world, where yeah. in terms of what I'm leading every day, which is really as an entrepreneur and small business owner, in terms of what I'm like my leadership right now, where I do a lot of that, mm. it is about, I found that really helpful to go, okay, John, I think differently. It's part of the reason I wrote a book. It's part of the reason I, I want to see coaching sort of uh, go around the world and see people be able to access yeah. the sounding board and coach. So that was really helpful for me to go, ah, actually, that's the direction I'm going. Yes, th- these are the things I do, executive coaching, leadership coaching, offsites, but um, yeah. So that's probably the that change of perspective is probably the biggest aha moment I've had. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. And I totally resonate with that Peter Thiel quote. I definitely just wrote it down right now in, in my in my notebook there. Um, and one one thing is uh, so my my both my parents are are small business owners as well, and surprisingly in the food industry. Uh, and one of the things that I remember so clearly. And one of the pain points you mentioned here about, you know, I don't really know what my vision is, my long-term strategy is as a, maybe a restaurateur in this case, it's very real. Um, and I think something that's helped me, whether it's, you know, my, my current nine to five, or if it's even outside following some of my passions, like uh, being an executive coach to chefs is the, what I call the VST framework, which is your vision, your strategy and your tactics. So. Your vision, of course, is what you want to you want to be and, and what you want to do, right? And this is that long-term picture. It could be five years, it could be one year, it could be 10 years, right? For everyone, it's a bit different. 
And then I kind of take that, like if that's my book, right? Strategy is the chapter. Um, and it's really thinking about, okay, what do I need to do? What is my plan for this particular phase or stage of my business? Um, do I need to focus on uh, reaching out to a new market segment? Do I need to be um, going through a digital transformation, right? Whatever your priority is. And then if you take that chapter, you break it down into tactics, which is essentially the page, right? And that's the day-to-day -day work that you're doing on the ground. Um, and, and that's where all the magic and execution is happening. And uh, for the small business owners who maybe don't have a sense of your vision, think about using what you're doing every day, the things that you love doing, your strengths, see how that translates from a bottom-up perspective, right? So how does that tactic turn into your overall strategy and then how does that strategy potentially fit into your long-term vision? Um, it's been one thing that's really helped me a lot. Yeah, that's, and me, like, I, I completely agree. That's been a big help for me to a similar, similar idea. Just realizing, um, you know, I think the, the problem I've had in the past is you sort of try to attack everything at once and it's really, <laughs> you sort of compartmentalize and you go, actually, no, I'm going to have a really clear, big you know uh vision for who i want to become and what i want to do and work all the way down to those tactics like you said i'm going to have a really clear list of the things i want to get done today and it's about both of those things being clear hence that's why that's i, I guess that's one of the reasons i called um uh, my consultancy clarity uh biggest inspiration for me is Patrick <laughs> Lencioni. but it's so much about being clear like if and and so i love what you said if you can have a clear vision and clear strategies to get there and clear tactics that you're actually um, adhering to. As someone said recently in another podcast, ruthlessly, and I love that. It's like, we've got to be ruthless with our day-to-day -day execution as leaders. Like, let's not be ruthless with with people. Like, let's be kind and let's be, yeah. um, let's be clear and let's have clear expectations. But when it comes to execution and getting things done, whether you're a small business owner or leading thousands of people, I love the idea of ruthless, like ruthless consistency and ruthless mm -hmm. intentionality and sticking. And, uh, and if you do those things, once again, I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> it's very difficult, but it is simple. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into Leadership Express. I've got a few questions for you. Been having so much fun chatting with you, Kunal. Sure. So I, I'm looking at the clock and, and trying to wrap up. Uh, but it's yeah, really sure. fun. So first question is, what is a book that you've gifted to other people a lot or that you've recommended a lot? Yeah, um, I hope I'm not too cliche here, but I love the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, it's a really great book, right, about like forming and sustaining habits. And one of my favorite messages from, from it is that progress, no matter how small, is worth fighting for. So if you are trying to be better 1% every day for a year, you would be 38 times better than you were at the beginning of the year, right? And that's the same as putting in $100 into maybe some bank account or some stock and getting back $380,000 a year. I mean, who wouldn't accept those terms? So it's one of my favorite books out there. Yeah, Atomic Habits is a, is a wonderful book. Great recommendation. Uh, what's, the, what's a recent leadership lesson you've learned? Uh, so we talked about aha moments in, in your past, but what's something very recent yeah. where you've learned it for the first time or been reminded of? Yeah, so I think the power of, of being simple when we communicate, because 
I mean, many of us are experts and we're deep in our own work, but, and we forget that, you know, that, that, that is the case. And we assume that people around us or maybe senior stakeholders, uh, are also at the same level. Right. Um, but what I've, what I've come to realize, especially in Asia is that we're not all speaking the English as a first language, for example. Right. And, and by simplifying it, you really just being able to include more people and make something more accessible. And my strategy really is that I pretend that I'm working with five-year-olds and I'm talking to my five-year-old niece. So I try to use everyday words. I try to use metaphors. So am I going to call a pint of stracciatella, stracciatella, or am I going to call it vanilla ice cream with some nice chocolate bits in it, right? Um, this way I feel like I can keep my why and my how and how I, and my what, right, very clear. Um, and be able to really inspire and rally more people by being accessible and inclusive. Yeah, that's so good. Simplicity is so underrated. I, I, I think simplicity, like if you can, if you simplicity combined with consistency, uh, you know, someone shared yeah. on, on a recent podcast as well, just the idea and the challenge of repeating, like, if you really want to see change, just repeat yourself. And but as we were chatting, we were saying, well, you've got to work out what you're saying, though, first. And so if you can, if you can find the way, like I love that example. That's so good. Stracciatella, or do you say vanilla ice cream with chocolate bits in it? it? Like find the way that's clear to to come back to one of my favorite words. But it it doesn't like that's the challenge for leaders is everything you're doing, every message you're sending, yeah. is it clear? Do people really understand it? Um, and then tell them, send those messages again and again and again about important things about your values and. It reminds me of um, one of the first podcasts I did uh, where I had someone um, and uh, and he was talking about the army and the army has this really interesting framework for communication. And uh, I, I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. So apologies that I can't do it justice. But the, yeah. thing, that, the thing that really struck me about it was he was saying that in the army, when they talk about communication, they look at like we i tend to think of communication as okay how are we communicating and, and and to be honest most of the time i start there i don't really think in different boxes about whereas the army actually broke it down into okay when it comes to communication um can we communicate between these two groups and, and the the thought was well actually when you're out in the field it's not about hey everyone make sure we're communicating the first thing is actually to work out is it possible for these like we need to make sure we don't mm -hmm. lose the ability to communicate can we um but then then there was like will we actually communicate so okay say you can how are you going to make sure that you actually do that and then thirdly can people understand what you're saying and uh and like i said i'm probably butchering it a little bit but the I love the idea that with communication, it's like when we think of our organizations and um, think about how can, like, can you actually talk to that person? Do you have any connection to that? Uh, you know, will you communicate to them? Okay. And, and normally we stop there, but are they actually understanding what we're saying to them, which is what you're getting at? Simplify your messaging, uh, particularly in, like you said, to make it um, so that people can, actually understand and 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 feel more included into the conversation because they actually understand what's happening yeah yeah and um the military precision piece right I, I think there's an article on harvard business review called how to write an email with military precision uh by oh. uh, a military veteran 
Yeah, and a Grammy producer. So that's an interesting read if people are looking to maybe start on their career being precise <laughs> and how yeah. they write. Oh, cool. That's such a great recommendation. Speaking of um, Leadership Express, that's why I love doing this. I always get really exciting um, recommendations for people to go and check out. That's so good, Canal. Okay, a couple more. Let me see. What is a... Um, do you have any favorite questions you ask? You know, you're 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 doing work in, at Visa, but yeah. also in your executive coaching, where I imagine you're asking a lot of questions. Whether it's a one-on-one, whether you're with a team, yeah. um, it, whether you're in the hiring process, or whether you're trying to understand what's happening um, when things are you know difficult in a particular situation with people, or you're consulting internally. Any favorite questions you love to ask people? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question uh, as well. So, I mean, I think there's 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 so many good questions I like to ask. But one one of the the things that I keep coming back to is I really like to highlight the very best of people, and I really like to understand what they value and what brings them meaning. So, one thing that I often like to ask uh, people is, if you were successful with, let's say, like a project or a goal or a task, and if you're at a you know a big organization and the CEO heard about it or or let's say you're a small business owner and your um, your respective like uh, prestigious organization, so maybe like the Michelin star, or Asia's top fifty, whatever it is, they hear about what you've done tomorrow. What would you want to be said about you? And you start to understand what people value from that. Um, mm. And I think uh, another one that I often use a lot with um, uh, folks and chefs, when, and when I'm doing my uh, coaching, is something that we call upward laddering. Johnny, you're probably quite familiar with it, but what I, I like to ask them is if you achieve this goal, what would be the result? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's one question. The second half of that question is then if you achieve that result, what does it mean for you? Mm-hmm. And the idea is to keep asking those two questions, right? Um, in succession of each other, because you start to dig deeper. Person might be a little frustrated at first, but it usually gets them to generate new insights. And then you kind of just seal it off with now going back to your goal. How are you thinking differently? What's emerged and what's new? And That's I think so those good. are those aha moments. Yeah, that I, I like to use. Anyone who has any one-on-one meetings or any anything that they're wanting to invest in can just take just rewind what Canal just said and implement that, and you're going to. That's that's incredible advice, um, and it's so funny because humans we are so complex and there's always a layer deeper right like there's always that next layer you hear someone you go oh yeah that's what it is but then you t- it turns out actually there was a layer deeper. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we don't even know it ourselves so that's what i love about those yeah. questions is sometimes you help people realize that for the first time that oh actually that is that is why that's so important to me oh that's so good canal um okay last last question if you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader what would you say to them? Oh, okay. That's a good one. So I think the one piece of advice would be that of all leadership skills, listening is the most valuable. I think it's the most underrated and least understood. Most industry leaders, right? Listen only sometimes and they remain good or ordinary leaders, but I think the greatest ones, right? They never stop listening. And that's how they get word before anyone else uh, does of unseen problems and opportunities. Yeah, that's so good. You'd, you'd be amazed at, I'd say more than 50% of the answers to that question are around listening. And it's, um, <laughs> it, it's just, it's just funny because I'm always looking for patterns. And that one is just like, you know, 
it's funny how often when you really drill down to one thing, like you just expressed, if if I had to say one thing, it's this, it's about the power of listening. And yeah, that's it's, and it's such good advice because nearly any issue I've ever had as a leader would have been easier to solve if I'd listened better. Like really, it's kind of like you almost, there's almost, uh, unless you're literally in a crisis where you need to make like a, a firefighter doesn't need to listen to decide which door to go in. Unless it's that level of crisis, <laughs> n- nearly any other situation listening is going to make things better. So, yeah, wonderful advice. Well, yeah. for those who have just loved hearing a bit of your story, um, for those Michelin star chefs listening, Kunal, hit him up. He's got uh, experience and uh, maybe Kunal and I one day can uh, can expand that into uh, because, yeah, I-, I love the idea of having like a specialized, <laughs> specialized worldwide coaching consultancy with where like the filter for anyone who gets involved is you have to have a Michelin star. I think that's just, (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with that, but I just love that so much because I'm so obsessed with food and I can think you must, that must be such a fun thing for you to do. Uh, Where can people find you Kunal if they want to, um, yeah, if they want to follow you on social media and, and, and connect with you. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'm always very happy to connect on LinkedIn and, as we shared a virtual cup of coffee today, always happy to do that there. And, you know, if you're in Singapore, I'm always quite keen to connect in person, especially now that things are looking better for all of us. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. What a what a fun episode. Great stories. Um, and it's also, it's also been a lot of fun. Don't forget for our listeners, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day podcast two places you can also go to invest in your leadership but i want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you canal for being so generous with your time and uh yeah like i said before i've just had so much fun chatting with you and and hearing some of your story appreciate your vulnerability sharing your story around upbringing and and uh, i think you will have encouraged a lot of people so uh yeah it's been it's been wonderful to spend time together thanks for coming on the podcast of course of course john the pleasure was mine thank you Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. 
We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.